0: So, welcome everyone to another episode of the Grasshopper Podcast. I'm here today with Ian Raffalo, a psychotherapist. And I'm super excited for this episode because, as I told you before, psychotherapy and psychology in general are a side passion of mine. And we actually haven't had a podcast yet, which has really gone into, in a deep way, uh, these kind of issues. So I'm very happy to talk about it. And especially one of the things I think I want to start off by saying is that maybe kind of previously we had this um, attitude towards psychology, which is, was a bit almost like, oh, this is only if you're not holding yourself together or if you're having uh, serious problems. But I think with sort of pop psychology and also yoga and meditation becoming more mainstream, I think there is this shift happening where people realize that you don't need to go to psychotherapist just because you're struggling or you're having an issue, but even just to get healthier and kind of optimise yourself and the way that you are in the world.
1: For sure. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on, Yasa. Um Yes, to answer your question, I, I would agree um, uh, to jump straight into it. I mean, one of the, issue, one of the main tenets of therapy is confidentiality. And uh, we, you know, we're always making sure that we, we tell clients, listen, if I bump into you outside, I'm not going to speak to you just to pr- protect you, as yeah. it were. And it's amazing mm-hmm. how many just walk up to me and say, hi, Ian, and then they turn to whoever they with saying, oh, this is Ian, he's my therapist. So I think the <laughs> stigma that maybe we thought, or we, well, it was there many yeah. years ago, um, is definitely, definitely fading away. And I would say now it's considered to be very mainstream in that respect, you know. So yeah. uh, I'm definitely seeing a complete shift from... yeah. It being, I only go to a therapy, psychotherapist because there's a serious issue in my life too. Yeah. I want to go there just to evaluate my yeah. life
0: and understand myself better and be, be better in the Absolutely. world. Absolutely,
1: and I think it is a, you know, it is an evolutionary step. I think even particularly for Malta, because I think we all felt Malta being a bit insular and a bit. Everyone knows everyone kind we of feeling. We have a lot to process. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, there's a lot, a lot to dig up. Um, that, that people would hold back, and people would yeah. say, "No, I'm not going to go there because they know me," and then everyone. Or I know, know him, or and her, this kind of thing. Or, yeah. And um, in practice, it, it, it. Thankfully, that hasn't happened. So, um, and I think we've seen this definitely develop in the last 15-20 years yeah. where it's really gone yeah. widespread and mainstream. I think
0: also another thing is sort of this idea of growth and purpose has become a lot more mainstream, you know, like our parents and grandparents, they you know, they had their career, they wanted to provide for their family, but especially now the younger generations, we've been brought up with this idea that you need to grow as a person, you need to find out who yeah. you really are, find your purpose and As much as it can be a bit cliché and a bit commercial, it's also, I think, really good for young people to be asking these questions, which maybe we didn't used to.
1: No, probably not. I mean, probably if you go back historically, you'd say our parents and maybe their parents, you know, were post-Second World War and then the children of parents of Second World War. And the needs were more basic, you know, if you look at it from just a Maslow hierarchy of needs point of view, you know, if you didn't have the basics and your job and your security of your job, which was the real big thing to have, even, up, I would say, into the 70s, you know, the luxury, as it were, of dealing with your own psyche and your own emotions and where you want to be and self-fulfillment and all this was probably considered to be something just so far away, far removed, you probably didn't even think about it, you know, I guess. You know, so it was more a day-to-day reality and yeah. thankfully today we're in a situation where people are reflecting more and yeah. thinking more and yeah. being a bit more introspective.
0: Yeah. I guess that also i mean mean—we're kind of going on off on a tangent already but it also kind of gives opposite um, challenges then because stability is also kind of a core need for the psyche and I see a lot of you know the younger generations now also very flighty and there's a lot more anxiety and, and kind of tension as well and, and some of that might be t- due to the fact that we're not very grounded or stable, we're kind of, you know, moving jobs, yes. moving countries, moving yes, everything faster. For sure,
1: for sure. And I think we, we, we have to acknowledge that the world is a much more, it's a faster place, it's a more um, demanding place in certain aspects. And I think the other, the other thing we need to keep in mind is that we are so bombarded now with so much information that nothing seems to stay permanent or semi-permanent for any period of time so the moment something is established along comes comes someone to say well actually no that theory is completely incorrect because and you think ah okay and then you know a week later someone else disproves it and and, and this constant shifting of what is real and what is not real—I mean, yeah. it's sort of moving practically into a philosophical yeah. um, sort of. It's not position. a good time
0: to be a control freak.
1: <laughs> no, you have no, no, no you, you, you're going to have a very hard time <laughs> yeah. trying to control things because um, that that's not going to work very well, and it's not going to work well even from a parenting point of view yeah. because you know children, teenagers are much much more rebellious and open. Yeah if not outwardly, inwardly, to, yeah. to change and, yeah. and going out there and seeing what there yeah. is, you know. So. Yeah,
0: definitely. So, shall we take it back to sort of how psychology came to you? How did you sort of get in? You've been doing it for over 20 years. Yes. So.
1: Um, well, when I was at school, and here I'm going to age myself, and <laughs> this was like in the 70s, early 80s, there was absolutely no, no we wouldn't even use the word psychology, you know. Um, going to university meant if you took languages, which is what I did. You either went in for education, you went in for law, and maybe one or two other things, but that was about it. It was really, really basic. Um, So what happened was I started sixth form, and then after one year, I did. in those days, you needed three A-levels. I did two, and then I said, okay, now I'll do the next A-level next year. And then I had a medical accident. I lost the sight of my right eye, and then when that happened, I then flunked my next A-level because my mind wasn't there. And in a funny way, although that was obviously a tragedy in itself, itself at the age of 17, it probably shaped and made me for the rest of my life um, in, in the appreciation of the immediate, of the here and yeah. now. Um, if ever there was a time when, you know, I, I would be worried about certain things, I'd always then come back to appreciating that I still can see from my left eye, I can still hear, I can still taste, I touch and smell and so forth. Um... And I think it made me even more introspective and even more observant, more Mm. than I was before. So anyway, so the law thing flew out of the window, thankfully. And uh, bizarrely enough, I started working in insurance of all things. And then after a number of years, the university course of psychology opened. And at the time, I was planning to get married. And as soon as I bought the house, literally within two days, I thought, okay, this is crazy. I'm going to get married I'm in a job I don't really want to be in. And if then a family comes along, I'm going to be stuck. So the moment I bought the house, I quit my job, which is not the wisest thing to do. So I'm not in any way recommending this to anyone. okay? But that is what I did. And uh, so I quit my work at 25 and went to university and started psychology and absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, I always loved personality theory, understanding why we behave differently, extroversion, introversion. I got into Jung's archetypes and polarities and yin and yang and you you name it, and I was just in heaven. Um, but then after three years and coming to the final year, I thought, oh yes, now I need to work. When, when this is all over somewhere, I need to find the job. And um, fortunately, I, I got a placement at San Antoine School. I started working there. the did a once a week, um, voluntary, obviously, because it was a placement, and, um, and then the following year I was asked to, to be the school counsellor. And I said, OK, that's it. I'm finished with studies and it's over and done with. Within about six weeks I got a phone call from a very good friend saying, Ian, psychotherapy course is starting in January. I said, oh, forget it. I've just finished four years of psychology. There's no way I'm going back to my books. So three months later I started <laughs> the psychotherapy course and, um, and we were the first group here. We were the first group under Lydia Kertzotich who who started the whole school here and um, it was all very crude and fun and exciting in its own way because we had no premises we didn't even know if we were going to be recognised we had no structure you know it was really really wild but we loved it and it was great and we had amazing amazing lecturers who came over and professors people whose books people read and I've actually been there in workshops so I feel very privileged in that sense and um, so anyway four years later so that would be now 1999 or something like that um, I graduated as a therapist and started working also then privately with with adults. And then a few years after that, I did a supervision of psychotherapy course with Ken Evans, who's sadly no longer with us, and that entitles me to supervise other therapists. And that is where I am now. So I got into it, I suppose, partly out of interest, partly out of personal situation. And I absolutely um, know, you know, and have always felt this is what I wanted to do when I finally found it. Mm -hmm. But um, it came in a very roundabout way. There was never an early, early sort of pull. But I remember when I was working, and I think I'll just mention this and close off this part, is um, when I was working in insurance, um, friends of mine were going abroad to do some voluntary work. And he asked me to go along for a week. And I thought, I'm not going to take a week's leave to go and do work. This is totally <laughs> insane, you know. But I did. And it was probably one of the better decisions of my life. And it gave me that sense of, all right, I don't want to do volunteer work for the rest of my life. I need to eat. But it gave me a sense of what I want to do. I knew then clearly I wanted to work with people more than with papers. And... Um, and that probably was a major sort of spur in deciding to eventually leave and go to university. And that's how I got into it. Yeah. Which
0: beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I think you know, there's there's something about working with people that once you get that kind of fulfilment of being able to impact another human being's life positively, mm-hmm. it's just, it it gives you such a sense of fulfilment. Um
1: Yeah, I, I it's it is what I think what you're saying is you know totally spot on um, Yes, because if you're there's nothing I think it's hard for me to feel better than when you've worked with a client either over a period of a long time or a specific session and the client leaves and you can see a shift in their mood in their viewpoint in the way they're seeing things and you just know you've somehow participated in that you know we, we we often talk about us being therapists as the wounded healer, you know, we're not the expert, we're, we're, it's a co-creation, These all, the, all the kind of jargon we use, yeah. and I think it is spot on because we don't know the answers to many questions. In fact, in gestalt psychotherapy, we do not ask the question, why? Mm-hmm. Because if I had to ask someone, why did you start smoking, or why did you break up from this relationship, or why are you arguing with your sister... It just becomes a mental exercise in trying to understand and then even if you do understand what difference does it make you know Mm -hmm. if someone understands yes I started smoking because I was young and I wanted to feel cool and whatever so I got into that and then what you know but what we're more interested is is in the how Um, how is it for you to smoke how does it feel for you to be in an argument with your sister and we're much more concerned with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, with process as opposed to content. We're much more interested in how things are happening than what is happening. And I think this is the sort of the beautiful shift about Gestalt is that it's a very sort of pure form of therapy. It, it emerged. There was you know the first the whole the psychoanalytic Freudian Jung and all that, and then the behavioral therapies came along. And then the humanistic schools came along, which thankfully Gestalt is humanistic, yeah. because I don't think I'd, I'd be part of it. And so you had Carl Rogers with yeah. Clyde Center Therapy, you had Albert Ellis with Rational Emotive Therapy, and then you had Fritz Perls for Gestalt, and obviously now you have follow-ups and new ones yeah. and all various yeah. diversions from it. But, um, so yes... Uh, I remember picking up a book of Freud
0: when I was at university. <laughs> I had a, a period in my second year when I got yes. very depressed. Okay. I wasn't really enjoying my course and I was also smoking a bit of weed, which kind of um shifts your reality a bit. You know, you kind of start looking at the world a bit differently. <laughs> and I, I was kind of looking around I was studying economics as well, which okay. is quite a dry subject. I was looking around me and thinking okay, I'm going to go do this degree, I'm going to go into finance, or banking, or whatever, and I'm just going to be a robot, and I was looking around me at people, and just thinking, like, this just looks so depressing, and I actually went through, I think it was a few months of, like, getting quite down about this, and really, because of questioning life, and I had insomnia, and I was really, and I said, okay, I, I think I need to pick up a book on psychology, like, I need to understand, sort of, what's happening to me, and I mistakenly picked up a book on yes. Freud, which is... exactly start with the lightest read, yeah. but anyway. And it's also, you know, Freud is, is what it is, you know, and it's, you know, he, he was a, a master, but at the same time, you know, it's, his perspective is what it is, you know. Yes, but it's... one of the beautiful things was that in the foreword to this book, on the front, sort of the inside cover, there was this beautiful quote, which was a, uh, what I later discovered was a Joseph Campbell quote. Okay. And this quote basically just talks about the unconscious. And how we sort of go about our life as normal human beings, but at the sort of taste of a cup of tea or smell of a landscape, you know, you get these triggers which take you down into what he calls these Aladdin caves where underneath these, he says, dangerous gin, abide. And and he says sort of, you know, going down there is very scary, but that's also the key to discovering your real self. For sure. And when I read that, I said like, wow, this is what's happening to me, you know? Something has triggered me to kind of go down into this subconscious. And, And I was trying to sort of make my way back out of it. It wasn't the answer for me, it turned out, but that quote stayed with me and I wrote it in my diary. And many years later, when I read Joseph Campbell's book, Hero with a Thousand Faces, in the first few pages, lo and behold, is that quote. Um, and that actually turned out to be one of my all-time favorite books, um, because I really love, you know, the, I mention it many times in the podcast, you know, the journey of the hero and sort of seeing our life and our challenges as something ready to be overcome. I think it's, it's a very empowering way to kind of yes. view your life
1: issues. For sure, and I, I think going back to therapy directly, um, you know, there key, the are key, the many key words in, in, in Gestalt. I mean, the, the, the big one is awareness, which um, is huge, because a lot of the stuff we get into which is not working for us is usually out of lack of awareness. But the other one is also responsibility, that I am responsible for my life. And, and language, although I said we focus on process and, and the body, and the body is more um, natural and more real than our words, um, the language is, is, is also plays a huge part because we often, and I'll come to this a little bit later, we often say things like, yes, one, one can feel a bit upset when what we want to say is, I can feel upset. So we sort of deflect it away, and you know? I'll come to that yeah. later. So this ownership of what I am experiencing, what I am going through is, 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 mm-hmm. is, is exactly yeah. what we try and do there. I think
0: this is, this is a super good point you bring up because I see, you know, I'm a bit of an over-responsible person so I've never had this, this issue which <laughs> 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 it has its own sort of problems but I do see many people who just cannot take responsibility for how they feel. So mm-hmm. for example, let's, let's take in a work environment so, you can have a situation where, you know, the work situation is stressed. For example, at Grasshopper, we have a catering business, you know, we have chefs leaving, this, that, and the other. And any given person can kind of say, like, I'm stressed because of all of these situations. And I always try to encourage people to say, like, how you feel is your choice. You are not a slave to this situation. I'm facing the same situation, but I'm choosing mm-hmm. not to get stressed and lose my shit about, about these things. But what I find when I try to explain to people this... Um, Maybe people are just simply not ready it's just a lot easier to say like oh it works for that I'm upset as opposed to my own so as a therapist like how do you help people because I, I guess there's some kind of safety issue where we need to feel safe enough to say like okay I've caused this and that's fine you know mm-hmm. but there's, there's, there's I think there's a lot of fear around that
1: there is a lot of fear um, a number of clients will come to therapy especially when it's couple therapy but even when they come on their own to in a way to find a way of saying no you're okay as you are there's nothing that needs to change the rest of the world is not okay and sort of you legitimize their position so that's one problem the other one is when clients come in thinking how can my life change completely but I don't want to do anything about it so that's the next problem so there's a lot of all this kind of resistance we find you know um, and that's obviously then when therapy comes in because you always wonder what brought them there, you know and it's usually the opening question I mean, obviously each therapist has his or her own way of opening it but more or less you'd say, okay, what brings you here? and usually it's an immediate issue I've argued that this one, I'm thinking of leaving work I'm not sure if I'm in the right job I am i don't know, I've cheated on my spouse and whatever the issue is but... um Usually, not always, but usually, then once you start the, the sort of excavate, excavation process, you start going back and back and back and you, you find much more stuff. You know? Now, we're not really interested in Gestalt. We're not really interested in the past in itself, like from a Freudian, you know, memories and all the rest. But we use it more to see how it's affecting the here and now. You know, so we don't get lost in the past that doesn't mean we don't reflect, we don't mm-hmm. look back we don't have memories or we don't do dream work or any of that, we do all of that but we're very much present centred in that respect mm-hmm. and the way we view the way we view um, sort of like healthy a healthy way of being is through contact with the environment so if if in a, in a, in a healthy contact cycle there would be a sort of Period of equilibrium, and then there is a sensation. Let's say, let's talk, let's say, food, something close to your heart. Okay, so let's say there's a sensation of, okay, I think my stomach's rumbling away, and then there's the awareness that, okay, I'm hungry. So that sort of, will usually mobilize one to go and do something about it. So if you're at home, you might open the fridge or whatever you're going to do. Um, and then there is the, the energy and the action, there's contact, you're eating the food, and then at a point, you stop and you withdraw. And that cycle is complete. And Gestalt, in fact, is, is, is German for whole, for like that perfect cycle. And this starts from young. So children, babies will perform the cycle. I'm hungry. I cry. My mother, you know, there's the energy. Is yeah. That's the action. Mummy comes along. I am fed. I am happy. Next, And then you start your next Gestalt. Yeah. And so yeah. it's a constant yeah. building cycle. up of all yeah. these cycles. Now what happens is along the way, there are going to be obstructions to those cycles. It's never going to be perfect because every time we're in contact with the environment, we're very optimistically expecting the environment to somehow complete that cycle in a perfect, healthy way. But it's just not going to happen. And uh, and so what happens is we get all these, we still need to close that gestalt, but we end up closing it in a dysfunctional way. And then that sort of that pattern repeats itself and eventually becomes a sort of like chronic problem which takes us right into adulthood so you'll get the adult who turns up and says uh, ian i can't understand it every relationship i have ends the same way you know i mean that's sort of a real what's the word a typical kind yeah. of thing where you can say okay there's a pattern and that yeah. pattern is the gestalt yeah. somewhere yeah. gets interrupted at the same yeah. spot Yes. ends the same way then they try again thing, I know, but yes. this time it's different you know and you think well it's, it ain't gonna be different <laughs> she may, so do different you go thing. in
0: that situation do you go back to the first sort of cycle which yes, got dysfunctional to would. kind of understand
1: absolutely absolutely. you do go back you do reflect you do look back and see your early memories in terms of um, uh, how how you know how you completed your own cycles back then yeah. because you can start seeing interruptions happening but again it's it's not asking them why why did you do this or you know, why did you leave your partner now it's but how did how you feel what's happening that? the how is so much more important yeah. and then um so once you have this contact cycle which is sort of the ideal way of being and it applies for absolutely anything in life whether it's food where it's going to work if the cycle works perfectly you feel this contact Excuse me. You feel this contact with the environment, and then you withdraw from it. You know, and that's healthy. You know, I. Um, it's a sort
0: of integrated
1: yes, flow. but then, but then you can have, and the difficulties come, and we we call it resistance, but effectively it's an unconscious thing. And there are there are five, and these are in my in my books. These are huge within the concept of psychotherapy to understand. Uh, how we get stuck along the way because mm-hmm. everyone gets stuck along the way, and I really want to re- reassure all, all the listeners: um, we are, you know, no one is immune to this. You know, yeah. I mean, doctors.
0: Despite st- social media's best attempts to,
1: to fool you, otherwise. no, 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 <laughs> no one is immune to, 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 to this kind of thing. And, um, and the five, the five ways we resist contact are what we call introjection, and I'll, I'll explain them a little bit: projection, deflection retroflexion and confluence. Now, okay, so I'll go through them one by one. I think people will understand when I, maybe when I flesh them out a bit more. Um, introject is basically we're swallowing in all, all from the environment. A child does that naturally because they're going to take everything in. Um, this is when uh, uh, the, the child learns all the shoulds and the musts, you know. that this, they, this is when it's set in all our adults I should do this I must do that are actually very primitive early on messages which we receive and it's quite interesting that there are actually two phases in our life when the body is in a developmental phase when it's rejecting these interjects and that's the usually and the first one is very young teenage age 2 the first (laughs) one terrible (laughs) 2s the terrible 2s when they say no to everything that is actually a, a brilliant part of individuation and identity because effectively you're saying this is me i am not you yeah it's obviously frustrating for the parents and i hope it will console maybe a few parents out there but ultimately from a developmental point of view you want to see that happening and then the next phase is the one you just mentioned it's teenage so the rational will tell us i need to be home at study and study but yeah I cannot do that. Could it possibly to be myself. a third one in the midlife crisis range? <laughs> Probably. Possibly. Um, but I think there are other issues there at play. I think if earlier issues were not resolved, yeah. they're going to come and rear their ugly heads or their beautiful head, yeah. it depends, uh, yeah. at, at the later stage. But yeah. that's definitely going to happen. So, so this,
0: in a sense, is a sort of just... a bit of repression as well, if I'm understanding correctly. Because yes. it's also like we have to swallow...
1: Absolutely. Things we don't like.
0: Sometimes well, maybe to avoid conflict or When you use the perfect
1: word, we actually use um, food metaphors very mm-hmm. often. We talk about swallowing, chewing and spitting. <laughs> and when you're young, you swallow everything. Yeah. But then the idea in therapy, if I to use the yeah. analogy of food, is that you chew mm-hmm. on things and decide what you want to swallow and what you want to spit out, yeah. to put it very crudely. Yeah. But yeah. that is exactly it. And the thing is, it's at that phase where we learn unconsciously the habits like... People say, "Look at the mannerisms of his father, or he, mm-hmm. or he talks like his mother, or he, yeah. she walks like yeah. this. And that happens then. And, you know, when you're a teenager and you absolutely hate <laughs> that kind of comparison. No, I am not like my yeah. father, or I'm yeah. not like my mother. Yeah. And that is that healthy sort of sense of wanting to break out of it. Yeah. So, a client who comes to you, comes to me and says... Um, you know, I'm doing a job I don't want to do, but I feel I should do it or must do it. The, that's a clear introject. People who are living in shoulds and musts have well, these introjects, and so our work is to try and make them see themselves distinct from oh, the rest of the world. The so, first, it's whoever I gave them you. the should and must, I <laughs> use a lot of the word, you know, I and you, you know, yeah. I am feeling this, and I am not you. You know, and, and it doesn't mean, you know, the parents could have passed on and they'll still have these shoulds and must, you know, I must go and do this or I should do that. You know, I can't go out to play until everything is tidy at home. I, you know, that may be young. So then that yes. suddenly becomes, no, 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 I can't come to the party because I need to do something. Yeah. And it's this, the shoulds which remain. And they can be, at times, uh, quite... Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. I was something on those lines, you know, they can be restricting really, really badly. Yeah. So, so those are things we, yeah. we work with quite a bit so that's the interject. Yeah. and then the other form of resistance is projection and we use this very colloquially this
0: might be the most common one yeah this is <laughs> the one where you know
1: someone says something say oh you're projecting and, and yeah. we, we use it very yeah. um, easily and there is a, there's an element of truth in that although it's sort of pop psychology language there yeah. is a truth in it that we tend to see in others what we cannot see in ourselves yeah. um so this is a, more a case of I can't accept the feelings I have because I think they're wrong, yeah. so I'll see it in everyone else. Yeah. So I can't accept my ambition, yeah. I can't accept my anger, I can't accept my uh, criticism, so I see everyone as ambitious, as angry, as critical, as hypocritical, but I can't see it in myself. Yeah. Um, so this is whereas in, introjects are all shoulds. And when you're in a projection point of view... I shouldn't, you yeah. know. It's it's the complete yeah. opposite, and yeah. I sort of give it away, yeah. you know. Whereas in introject, you're taking in the yeah. world completely. Yeah. This in projection, you're <laughs> giving it away yeah. very liberally. Yeah. So in both cases, you're losing your sense of self. Yeah. You see, and so that's the second form of resistance, yeah. which maybe many of us can associate yeah. with. And then the third one um, is retroflexion, and this is quite interesting. This is this is doing to oneself. Either what you want to do to someone else, or what you'd hope other people would do to you. So, for example, I get angry with someone, and I bite my lips. Now, that probably means I wanted to do something, but something told me, no, it's not a wise idea. Mm -hmm. We actually have the expression to bite your tongue. And at times it's good, because it wouldn't retroflect, it could be a very dangerous world we live in, because road rage would then be totally out of control. But very often what can happen there is that you get lost in your own world. So things like um, clenched fists, stomach ulcers, most psychosomatic illnesses are a result of retroflexion. I'm keeping it inside myself, you know, and internet has made that worse to a certain degree because I don't need to make direct contact with the environment so I'm sort of semi-retroflecting mm-hmm. on the internet it's sort mm-hmm. of me with myself and I'm sort of attempting to reach out mm-hmm. to the world but really it's me at home yeah. in my
0: this is maybe why maybe we don't. see so much vitriol on the internet. <laughs>
1: <Absolutely>. <laughs> it all comes
0: out on those comments. For sure. Comments.
1: Boxes. <laughs> <laughs> <The, the, that's, laughs> absolutely. That's quite venomous. <laughs> so so in, in, in for, for retroflection, what you're trying to do from a work point of view is you're trying to make the person more conscious of um, their, 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 their mannerisms. And that's why, for example, if there's a client with me, and suddenly they're talking to me and they divert their gaze at that point. Mm-hmm. That's a crucial moment. You know, mm-hmm. something has happened there, but it's so unconscious and primitive. They don't realize that there's just averted yeah. your eye, yeah. eye contact. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. you're you're on a precious spot point. over there and yeah. you need to work with that. Yeah. And that then brings it to the awareness phase. Yeah. And then you start dealing and start saying, okay, yes, because this is how I used to be with my father. You know, yeah. this is what used yeah. to happen when I was with my friends at school who always yeah. picked on me or this yeah. kind of thing. So that's, that's the third one. Yeah. And then we've got two more. Yeah, yeah. And then we have deflection. Um, deflection would be uh, a way of avoiding contact. For example, uh, like I said before... Sweeping it under the rug kind of thing. Yes, <laughs> but for example, we're clever at doing things like this. We say things like um, using the words one or you when I want to say I. Yeah. Um, things like um, um, laughing. Um, I'll tell you something very, very sad, but I'll have a smile on my face. And in therapy, what we try and do is say, okay, can you say that again without the smile? And you'd you'd be surprised how difficult it is for the client because then they get in touch with that deeper emotion.
0: So it's a protection. It is. These are all... They're all protections. They're all protections,
1: (laughs) resistance from contact. And they're not... I mean, they are all there. We all have them in different shapes and forms. The difficulty or the problem from a therapeutic point of view is when they become the only way of dealing with things day after day after day. Because at points in time, it's good to deflect, it's yeah. good to retroflect, it's good yeah. to project. Yeah. But when it's constant daily, then you're losing yeah. contact it with the It kind of gets to person. that
0: unhealthy level, where Absolutely. it's not a healthy protection, but no. it's a dysfunction.
1: If you have the choice, then you're aware. Yeah. And if you're aware, then it's fine. Yeah. But if you're not aware, you don't have the yeah. choice, then it's not fine. Yeah. And that is where we sort of <laughs> yeah. go with this, you know? Yeah. Um, and so here, with deflection, what we do is to, to undo that problem is we would highlight the language being used, because it's amazing, the language used is a really good indicator mm-hmm. of whether <coughs> whether the person is deflecting on yeah. how they working. And then the final one is confluence, and this we see very often in relationships. These are um, those people who spend 10 years in a relationship and one comes to therapy saying, I can't understand, my husband walked out on me, we've never had an argument in 10 years. Now, it's... Practically impossible not to have an argument in 10 years with anyone. Yeah. You know, you're meeting on a daily basis. And that in itself means you're confluent. So confluent is you're completely unmeshed and immersed with the other person to a point where then your identity is completely lost. I, I like using the example of, it's like a three-legged race where you both agree never to disagree. And the problem is that the moment someone does disagree, the other person will make that the other will make the first person feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And then there is a sense of resentment. And, and so the person apologizes, but then feels a yeah. certain resentment because she I can't be who I am. Yeah. Yep, that's another swallowing coming in. And because really in a healthy relationship, you want, again, a bit like the gestalt cycle I was, I was talking about before, you want to go in and move back. Yeah. Um, if you, to, 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 to feel water, you jump in the sea. After and then you feel it's cold and it's it's I don't know what it's salty it's rough, but then after a minute or two, you don't sort of keep saying I'm feeling wet or I am feeling water. You know, it just becomes who you are, and then you need to get out of the water mm-hmm. to then feel the air as contact and so forth. And it's this shifting in and out of any relationship in the sense I don't mean leaving a relationship and going back, but keeping in mind that in a relationship there are actually three organisms you have person A person B and couple let's mm-hmm. call it C mm-hmm. you know and unfortunately many people just give up A and B immediately Yeah. so all these are just ways that we block contact yeah. and many of them are all unconscious mm-hmm. most of them are unconscious if yeah. not all and uh, so that the work within gestalt uh, within therapy for situations like this would be specifically to um, raise awareness and then start digging down. Yeah. And for a lot of people then the issue is fear. Yeah.
0: And there the yes, is the resistance Yes, What the main would happen
1: if I'm no yeah. longer confluent, yeah. you know? Um, and, and that's not easy yeah. because if you spent your life always being confluent and suddenly you're told, Okay, but how do you feel? No, no, I, I'm I'm okay as long as she's happy. No, I didn't ask you that. How do you feel? And you, and you can see a certain discomfort. Discomfort mm-hmm. because they haven't asked that question to themselves for so long that mm-hmm. they have to dig really deep. And discomfort because the other partner, they are feeling is thinking, you surely feel what I feel. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So this yeah. is where things And also can... I
0: think, so. I think I, something I've observed through my own journey is that we're not taught how to feel. And this is something like I grew up, you know, as a tomboy. I was very independent. I was sailing and... I remember there was a moment when I was at boarding school and we were watching Armageddon, which is like the saddest film ever, and I wouldn't let myself cry. So I I think I was probably about 14 years old at the time, and it really stuck out in my memory because I remember asking myself, like, what are you scared of? You know, this is an all-girls boarding school. Everyone was crying, you know, there was no like, oh, shame to cry, you know, but I was, it was just my character as a young girl that I was just very tough and very independent and all of that, and... I got to the stage of my life where I realized, okay, that has some positive, but I also wanted to round my character and learn how to be more compassionate and sensitive and feeling. It actually took me, I would say, maybe two or three years to kind of, it's almost like a muscle, you know, that, that ability to feel is something that you have to train yourself and, you know, going back to sort of alcohol and smoking weed and all of these drugs that many young people are doing, you know, and even the food we eat. Yeah. There's such a numbing there, obviously, because we're not taught, you know, emotions are quite overpowering. Absolutely. So you need a sort of framework and structure and be supported to deal with them. And that that's not really something that happens much Definitely no. not. I mean, I was at San Antonio where, where you were there, but I was never really taught, no. sort of, and, and this is how you do it.
1: And, and it's not an easy one to do. And although we try and do it, it's it's not easy because you know that you have a limited time and, and then you really yeah. need the full backing of, yeah. of, of everyone, yeah. you know, and that they, they spend. But um, I can't I can't disagree with a single word you said about this issue of, of getting in touch with the emotions and, and, and the present because... Let's say many of the eating disorders uh, we see are a lot of them will be related to blocking sensation, you know, going yeah. back to that cycle. This is so, not a good
0: emotion to feel. I never want to feel exactly. it again. I'm gonna do so whatever. So what will happen is if I
1: don't sense that I'm hungry, I can live without food. Yeah. Obviously you can't, but yeah. that's the thought process yeah. that we'll be going through. Equally with let's say obesity, Anger. it could be further yeah. down the cycle, yeah. and then there's no sense of satisfaction. So I keep on eating because I'm not satisfied, really. Yeah. So then everything becomes about feeding. Yeah. Even though it's not a food, yeah. it's not a hunger issue. Yeah. yeah? It's a satisfaction so, issue. Exactly. So then you're looking at these these these, these uh, aspects yeah. as well.
0: It's really fascinating. You <laughs> can talk about <laughs> well, this for hours. Well, it's, it, <laughs> it's something so core cool to who we are as human beings and our life and how to be functional in this world and. It's something quite simple, you know, feel. But yeah. it's actually something that's almost quite hard for us as humans to, to be okay with.
1: It is, because, I, again, I'm going to go back, tragically, to media that promotes the idea that it's having and not being that mm-hmm. is going to make you yeah. fulfilled and happy. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no advert which talks about just you being okay. Yeah. Even if it does talk <laughs> about being okay, it's linked with the, the holiday you're going to have in yeah. the Bahamas or wherever. Yeah. Because it's obviously about selling the product. Yeah. Um, so the, I think most people are, get caught in the belief that the next job, the next car, the next boat, the next acquisition, the next holiday will be the thing to make me happy. And, you know, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the fun exercises I do sometimes with clients or even with, with the teenagers at school is I ask them, okay, think of a couple of happy memories of your childhood. And I would say... One out of ten will talk about a possession that mm-hmm. they got, mm-hmm. and usually it's something like a bicycle, which is mm-hmm. then an experience mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for most, it's the camping thing, it's the travel here, it's mm-hmm. when we stayed for a week at yeah. my grand's, we yeah. do all these kinds of things. Yeah. And I think we're so lost in thinking that if we just have more and more and more and more, it's somehow going to make us feel better. Yeah. That um, unfortunately, if you talk about having an experience or just being. Mm-hmm. The resistance is huge because um, I have had this experience myself of of clients who are, you know, super uh, brilliant businessmen and done excellently well for them from a business point of view. And they come telling me, Ian, I'm completely stressed out. My cholesterol and blood pressure is through the ceiling. Um, You know, my marriage is on the rocks. I'm a brilliant businessman, but my life is a complete (laughs) shambles. The moment we're looking at some sort of shift... You can see the resistance is so huge because it's who they are mm-hmm. is what I have. Yeah. So the moment, and I'm not in any way telling them, you know, go and flog your ways at the Monty and, 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 you know, and become a hermit or something of the sort. You know, I'm not going down any of that mm-hmm. route, but it's just simply a case of go asking them to start experiencing life from a very present point of view. You know, sometimes it's as daft as when was the last time you saw a sunrise? When was the last time you, you know, you actually tasted your food, not ate your food? Um, The
0: funny thing is, it's actually quite, once you know how, quite easy to tap into feelings of happiness and satisfaction. We actually don't really need that much. Like you said, a sunrise can make you feel, you know, absolutely incredible.
1: You know, people naturally, thankfully, although there's not much of it left, still like to go out to nature and go for a walk and all this. And for me, when I see that, that's, that's yeah. good. That's, you know, it's, and it's not just about the physical health I'm talking about. It's just about, it re-energizes you as who you are. Yeah. And, you know, this, these, you know, getting stuck into what I'm going to buy next. And, yeah. I, and I see this in, in, in. in you know, too many teenagers. When I say, "What do you want to do?" When I you you know, what what are your thoughts for f- the future? And they say, "Well, where can I make most money?" Is the first yeah. reply. You know, which yeah. which don't get me wrong, I can understand that yeah. reaction. i do not want to be too yeah. sound judgmental yeah. or fault. Yeah. You know, but yeah. there is an element of, you know, if you lose this, you might spend yeah. twenty years chasing, barking up this tree, and yeah. then maybe one day you might be lucky and yeah. snap out of it, but yeah. maybe not. Yeah. You know?
0: So, what does it say about our psyche as the Maltese that we're destroying all of our nature? <laughs>
1: it's a dodgy, dodgy I, 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 really I think do it's you know. dangerous ground. I think I'll, I'll, I'll stay out <laughs> no. of that one. But I, I think it's, I, I, you know, long term, I think our emotional health is being compromised, compromised big definitely. time, both with the and It's like and the more
0: unhealthy you get, absolutely. the more unhealthy you create. You obviously. know,
1: the, 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 you can see the levels of frustration, of aggression on the road, people arriving late, so there's frustration people having to wait more people having this is just going to build up yeah. a national yeah. sense of frustration fr- of frustration and again anger and no, off the handle.
0: no real sort of mature way of dealing with that because th- you know there are all mature ways to express your anger and you know anger can be a healthy yeah. thing as well if it's kind you of curated in the right way but we're, we're not yes. no, no, anger is, we're not given that I, I want then. to
1: reassure actually I, I want to not uh, reassure I want to emphasize I, I was, that yeah. statement anger in itself is not a bad thing yeah. it, it has there's no judgement on it has yeah. it been good or bad yeah. anger is a feeling yeah. which is telling you something that something around you is not fitting in with where you are yeah. so um, it's important that people listen to anger and, yeah. and you know the, the, the often used expression is the person needs anger management yeah um, I have some sort of issues with that statement yeah. uh, that he has violence management I'm, yeah. I'm completely with but Anger. What's that saying? You know. Yeah. Um, so I think. We so you would be... agree
0: something like anger just needs to be expressed in a healthy way. Yes, and anger is
1: telling us something. Well, if I'm getting angry, what am I feeling? Am I feeling I'm being taken for granted? Am I feeling I'm being abused of? Am I feeling uh, I'm not being understood? Yeah. So what 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 is the message behind the anger? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that needs a bit. You know, can have a bit of attention as well.
0: Yeah. I actually, I was very angry when I was young. <laughs> I still get a bit really? angry now and then. But That's good. I had this whole journey of sort of realizing, what the sources of my anger? And, and realizing that actually the anger was almost like a front for kind of vulnerability, even sort of a step behind the anger. Mm-hmm. There was like, oh, I'm feeling vulnerable or I'm yes. feeling this pressure. And therefore, I'm going to use this force of anger to kind of push back against what's making me feel like that when I actually sort of realised what was behind it it really changed my my understanding of it and, and now I sort of value it and see it as, as a tool and an aid when the, used appropriately
1: for sure and, and adding to what you were saying Yasmin there are many there are many words which we tend to view as, as negative for example people say oh, I'm going through a crisis now if for example a marriage or a, or a relationship is going through a crisis in itself a crisis is not a bad thing mm-hmm. all we're saying is what worked yesterday is not working today. Yeah. There's been a shift. Yeah. And it could be a healthy shift. Yeah, If, let's be really stereotypical, just to make life easy. So let's say husband worked, wife didn't, okay? Really yeah. old, old school kind of thing, yeah. okay? And then one day the wife decides, you know what, I'm gonna go on the university course. And the husband's so used to being father of the house and yeah. all, all things happen through me, he can't cope with this. Yeah. So there's a crisis. Now, it's not, there's nothing wrong yeah. with her going to study. Absolutely not. Far yeah. from it. But in the sense of the relationship, the power dynamic within that relationship is going to shift. Yeah. Now, unless the husband makes a shift, yeah. the likelihood is that's going to face yeah. a permanent crisis and maybe a eventual yeah. schism and split. Yeah. So in, in itself, a crisis is just a little... Opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. It is an opportunity to say, okay, it, it worked yesterday, it's not working today... Yeah what needs to shift yeah. from both of us because yeah. usually both need to make the shift yeah. to, to make it to continue yeah. working. You know? This is again
0: going back to the hero's journey, why well, I love that as a metaphor, because yes. that is exactly it. You know, the hero has a great challenge, sort of you know, it starts with the core to adventure, goes out of his ordinary world, has the great challenge, goes across it, learns something new and goes back to his ordinary world. And yeah, exactly as you said, you know, we kind of view change and challenge as something negative but I mean for me when I look back at my biggest sort of moments of fulfillment and also like periods of happiness they always came after something that really challenged me and made me grow and and, you know maybe things which at the time I felt I couldn't face but you know when you actually do get through them it creates such an expansion and I think that need to grow is very fundamental human desire I don't know if we can be happy without growing
1: no no, um... No, my, my short answer would be no. And I think the, and the, the, the growth needs to be continuous. Yeah. It never, ever stops. Yeah. Um, but not an easy one again, because especially when you're, when you're a child, and okay, you're growing, obviously, but especially when you have situations where your parents are maybe trying to mold you into a replica of them, yeah. or, or for them actually wanting you to fulfill the dreams that they maybe didn't fulfill. Yeah. But I think whenever... Y- you know, even if you look at any situation, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your career, whether it's your own internal spiritual growth or whatnot, you can't really stop. Uh, because I think stop yeah. means going back and, and retreating, you know, these yeah. are the resistances I talked yeah. about before. Um but the road is forward. <laughs> yes, yes. But fear fear is a natural yeah. is a natural um phenomenon. Yeah, where it's obviously something new and new is danger. And yeah. do I want to keep pushing myself into more yeah. sort of dangerous I and mean, dangerous within in the commerce? But yeah. so there is sometimes yeah. an inevitable and a healthy resistance. Yeah. But the worry is when you meet someone who's been saying, "No, no, 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 no." no when, once this is done, I'll leave. Yeah, and this happens year after year after year, and the person never ever leaves. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and you know they're they're obviously yeah. ser- seriously stuck. Yeah, and um. Suffering big time
0: I like that um, someone uh, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert said you know fear should be is always going to be in the car with you but yes. you just need to be in the back seat not in the driver's seat absolutely <laughs> I think that's a nice way of no, otherwise uh, I mean fear, well, being fearless is also a bit of an illusion you know it's
1: it's the risk that makes the growth Yeah. in my books and you know, if I look at my life it was a risk to quit work when I just bought a house you know people thought you can't be serious here, and you just yeah. you know and and when I look at other decisions I've taken, yeah. every time there was an element of a risk, yeah. and I'm not the greatest risk taker in the world, but every time yeah. there was a risk, I could feel an emotional yeah. um, growth happening.
0: Yeah. So why do you think some people feel that risk and shy away and other people just kind of, you know, is, is that just a mystery? It's,
1: I, I don't think I can There's give a There's no straight. formula for that, I I, <laughs> I wish I could give a <laughs> straightforward answer, answer for that. Um, Let's just keep in mind, let's go back to one of the words I mentioned before, the interjects. That's the one way we're taking in all from the environment. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's very hard to, to break that because it's like an interject is like an honourable history as a means of learning. Mm-hmm. Let me explain that a bit differently. If If your parents... You know, if my parents told me, Ian, it's the right thing to do is to take this kind of career and not, not, not. If I decided to veer off that track, there is an element of deep-rooted guilt that I have betrayed them, let them down. Now, this might sound a bit Mm far-fetched, but when this is really repeated and repeated over the years, and then you come to a moment where you want to do something, you can see the energy is to go and change, to Mm -hmm. do something new this introject can be so so powerful mm-hmm. that it just holds you back Yeah. Okay. now sometimes we need an, a relationship that will allow us to be um, I think in the case of Malta I don't think it's coincidental we have so many people travelling and mm-hmm. going abroad because mm-hmm. I think that is a healthy in itself it's superbly healthy yeah. from this rather claustrophobic yeah. rock we're on and not just from a space issue but from mm-hmm. an emotional bind where we yeah. feel I can't do this because what are people going to think yeah. and the what are people going to think is huge here Um, and and if I can keep uh, sidetracking and sidetrack you know sometimes I'll have someone in in, in the therapy room and he'll tell me because I I don't know if if I'm going to stay with my partner or not this that and the other and then sometimes I just chuck in a very sort of casually but obviously calculated question as in if you were living abroad and your parents were here and your friends were all here and you were living abroad, would you still be with her? And then sort of look at me and think, hmm, good point, you know. And suddenly you realise it's not his decision. It's yeah. back to the interject of yeah. what I should do. Yeah. What is the right thing to do, not what yeah. do I want to yeah. do. And, and this is where, you know, we get caught up yeah. in this. So you can see the struggle.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I see that years. actually because I went
1: to boarding school
0: so yes. I kind of at the age of 13 I kind of Absolutely. escaped this and I see some of my friends you know who have like more sort of deep rooted friends circus and all of that but when they actually came to kind of change mm. you know even things like you know stopping to eat a certain way stopping to go to certain places sure. there's there's this pressure that it's not just affecting you but all of these other people around and it, it becomes a lot harder to take For different sure. directions in your life
1: and keep in mind though that the resistance from the other people though, so let's say to use an example I don't know if you were going down this line of, let's say someone mm-hmm. saying listen I'm going vegan from now on mm-hmm. and, and I'm quitting yeah. meat and this person yeah. has been a carnivore all his yeah. life or her life um, everyone's reaction is going to be you can't miss mm-hmm. you isn't that what we're going to yeah. do when we go yeah. out of this yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. the reaction yeah there is also an element of when you do something radical, let's call it radical, mm-hmm. it questions and challenges everyone around you. Yeah. And for them, yeah. that's, that's uncomfortable. It's dangerous. It is, yeah. It's uncomfortable. It suddenly puts you on the spot. Yeah. Because suddenly they might have to you, think, you have about, to about, think about it. You have to go home and think about it. And that is why we're so much more comfortable that if someone, when, when teenagers start smoking, they want all their friends to be smoking. Because there's that sense of, now I can, you know... Yeah. Feel safe in numbers, yeah. but if one stops, yeah. then that's going to, say, oh, you know, yeah. you, you, that puts you in a position yeah. where you have to then yeah. take ownership yeah. once again yeah. and responsibility.
0: Which is why it's always hard to be kind of at the forefront of, of things that are for changing, sure. because you know there's this backlash of the mass behind you
1: that just says, no,
0: no, no, we don't, want, we don't want but, change.
1: But you just said something so perfectly gestured. I have to emphasize this point, <laughs> you do, You're doing this talk for me. Yeah? Is <laughs> Is growth happens, okay, you have your safe, let's call it a safe bubble, this is your comfort zone, what you're used to, we call it the comfort zone and what we're used to, the people we know and whatnot. And then there's the environment on the outside. Now if I took you too far away from the environment, let's say for example I had a pathological fear of talking to large groups. If you threw me in front of 2,000 people, let's be ridiculous, It would be too much overwhelming and probably knock me out and I'll never want to face another group for the rest of my life. But if I said, okay, I can't do 2,000, but maybe I can do 50, or maybe I can do 20, and I go there, it's going to create anxiety, proverbial butterflies in the stomach and all the rest, but once I've done it once, twice, three times, suddenly my comfort zone has widened again. And then... The next area of growth. And so it continues. And that is exactly what we want in contact. Yeah. And what happens in all these resistances I was referring to before is we stay in this bubble. This is what I know. I'm not going to get out of it. It's safer here. But really you start dying. Yeah. Because nature grows. It yeah. doesn't stagnate. So
0: really the, the key is to kind of push your comfort zone enough, but not too much. Exactly. No. Um, i um, find that...
1: In, exactly. in, in behaviorism, uh, which... Follow the psychoanalytic school, they, one of the techniques used was called flooding, which is like going to such an extreme that then the normal becomes Bro- easy. Now, <laughs> yeah. that to me has ethical, serious ethical <laughs> issues, okay, because it just might be way too much. Yeah. Um, but in Gestalt what we do is we work a lot with experiments, mm-hmm. and when I say experiments we're not mm-hmm. in the lab work we mean trying things out yeah. so you say what if we tried this mm-hmm. how about this mm-hmm. what if so the what if yeah. is, is one of our yeah. major words yeah. and and that's why gestalt therapy also lends itself beautifully to having groups yeah. because let's say there's someone who says listen I'm, I'm really shy I find it really yeah. difficult so you say okay you, you feel safe with this group yeah. oh no it's too many okay yeah. let's get a group of three yeah. choose three yeah. and it's, you choose yeah. three people okay yes. let's put them in a little corner yeah. and just try and just keep my contact don't say a word with anyone yeah and you can see this poor heart going beating at 120 beats a minute, but after a while, something will happen, yeah. and that's why Gestalt therapy and, and group work yeah. and, and body work are, yeah. are, are beautifully aligned yeah. together. You know, it's yeah. just it's just it's just a perfect marriage yeah. of, of modalities. Yeah, you know, a more
0: integrated system. Yes,
1: because the, the safety of the group is it, it's contained. Mm-hmm. But it's still outside the no, this my, my ego, my yeah. my person who I yeah. am. So I'm still making that yeah. effort to go a bit yeah. forward, and I think that's the beauty of yeah. of, of therapy, and especially group therapy, yeah. which which is lovely. Yeah. You know,
0: I want to go back a few steps because you mentioned you mentioned spirituality, um, uh, and that's something that's not always talked about in the context of psychology. Um, I think it's coming more more present and i think gestalt if i'm not mistaken is something that brings in the spiritual aspect quite a bit i mean me myself my sort of psychological therapeutic work and my spiritual sort of connection kind of came in together so for me it's it's almost one and the same but um do do you find that there's you know a challenge for someone because there are many people who just don't believe in god they don't want to go there is it more of a challenge for them to kind of adopt some of these practices that do bring in this more spiritual element?
1: Mm, good question. If I'm sure. not mistaken, but if I'm not
0: mistaken, the word psyche actually comes from soul. Is that yeah, right? it's Greek. Yeah, it's the Mon. Greek word for soul. So in a sense, you know, there is this kind of underlying um, sort of assumption that psychology is also a matter of the soul. Look.
1: I would the way I view it and I mean this is not just me speaking this is also what's been written as well and studied and analysed is the more you're in touch with your humanity with who you are and you become the person let's use the expression you are meant to be you are fulfilled you you know you self actualize to use Mm -hmm. Jungian terminology yeah Um, to me the more spiritual you are as well Mm -hmm. I don't see a major, I don't see a split or a schism between being totally human mm-hmm. and having your, and your spiritual dimension. Mm-hmm. I see the two blend together mm-hmm. perfectly. Whether you believe in a God, whether you're atheist, agnostic, Catholic, Buddhist, it's practically immaterial. From, from my perspective, I would never ask that question to a client, mm-hmm. and no, no therapist I know would ever yeah. ask, okay, what's your cath- what's your faith, <laughs> you know, or do you have a faith, or do you, or are you a believer yeah. or not? Yeah. Um, it has no relevance to therapy directly, mm-hmm. but it often comes in, mm-hmm. especially in Catholic Malta, where mm-hmm. people somehow feel they have to say things like, um, listen, I'm, I'm agnostic, or I'm atheist, or I'm, I'm not a believer, or this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And... It has no relevance, or, or not relevance. It, it has no bearing mm-hmm. on how the work is going to develop within within yeah. the sessions. But what I can see is the clients that have a more integrated sense of self, who reflect more. Um, mindfulness comes to mind a lot, meditation and all this. If they are more there, they tend to be more in touch and attuned with themselves and equally then more spiritual mm-hmm. and the two things just somehow become one Yeah, but I'm not sure if I've answered your question or yeah not. no 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 <laughs> totally totally
0: I mean I wasn't really sure where I was going with the question I just wanted to kind of bring up this issue you know, of spirituality and psychotherapy in general and kind of where they cross and where they don't, because as you said, you know there are there are some places where you know psychotherapy just stands alone, you know, regardless of your spiritual belief or anything like that. We're, but mm-hmm. then if, there is a place where they sort of come together. Yes,
1: I mean we need to, and you're using the word correctly: spirituality, as opposed to religion. Religion does not feature in in, yeah. in psychotherapy whatsoever, yeah. and it's a it is a non-judgmental form of yeah. intervention. When we say that, um, you know, um, Carl Rogers. For client-centered therapy, talked about unconditional positive regard, and what he meant was, the client is there in his or her totality with his or her experience, which is completely unique, and you are there to be completely for that person, mm-hmm. um, without you know judgment, without yeah. without any form of prejudice towards yeah. that person, yeah. and. That beautiful ex of exchange you can have with a client, there's, there's probably, I think, the more you know, there are some sessions which just leave you with such a sense of joy, there's no yeah. other word for it. And it's somehow mm. not when you're trying to be too clever by half and yeah. sort of saying all the things you should say, yeah. but when there's real contact, what we call an I Thou experience, yeah. and the client feels seen
0: yeah.
1: or heard. And very often, as a therapist. I wouldn't be saying much in those sessions but once the client feels seen or heard that's when the change and the shift happens yeah. something touches the soul going yeah. back to what you we about yeah. the spiritual yeah. because it's beyond the bullshit of the words it's yeah. beyond the what shall I say to please my therapist yeah. it's beyond the okay I need to be careful not that my hand doesn't shake so I'll put it underneath my, yeah. th- my, my thighs so or yeah. like that I'm, I'm safe yeah. but then something happens and you can see sort of like the melting yeah. <laughs> inside and then you know something's happened yeah. and then you just leave it yeah. and you let the person go and yeah. see what happens then yeah. when they next come back and that is a beautiful yeah. beautiful experience and that as is as a, spiritual as it probably yeah. can and get I mean, for
0: me you know things like that can happen even outside the therapy room you know just taking the time you know we're here in the service industry and even just I always tell tell our team here it's just like even just take the time to just look in the person's eye and welcome them into this place which very often you know you walk into a place and the person serving is not, not even sort of catching your eye for a second you know and for i think sure. there is definitely something in us you know that wants to be seen and see but again you need to have a certain connection to yourself that can allow you yes. to see
1: and and you need to you, you need to have that um, that sort of comfort yeah exactly and, and with yourself with yeah. who you are that yeah. i'm okay as i yeah. am
0: we actually do this at Grassi Hopper in our staff meetings we do eye gazing okay. so just holding eye contact Excellent. and it's really interesting because it obviously it shows people how comfortable or uncomfortable they are with themselves because you can't look into another's eyes if you're not comfortable with yourself and there's the the laughing and the joking and the trying to escape that just pure human I this see is, you you
1: see me it is what, what you're doing is, is a pure gestalt experiment yeah if we <laughs> had if we, we, I remember with Joseph Zinka. Who is an absolutely amazing, amazing therapist? Recommended reading. Um, is we had once, we sat opposite each other, we must have been about 15 or 16 in the room, and we just had to hold eye contact. And I think this went on for ages, mm-hmm. something like 20 minutes, which yeah. it, uh, might not seem like ages, but looking in someone's eyes, eyes and not saying a word for <laughs> yes. 20 minutes feels <laughs> like a heck of a long time. But it's amazing, you end up having, if you can call it that, a conversation. Yeah. You end up Definitely. having. a a, a, a transmitting practically of emotions a transmitting of this and you you feel seen in the literal sense because your eyes are open but you feel seen from an internal perspective as well
0: which is why it's so scary for people it is and in fact you see when you at the end you kind of everyone go like oh You know, it's always kind of takes that time. It is exhausting.
1: It is exhausting. I mean, (laughs) for someone who's never done it, they think, well, you look at someone for 20 minutes, that's exhausting. Yeah. You you know, I'm not saying you see someone, you look at someone for 20 minutes.
0: And allow yourself to kind of put your barriers down and be seen, which is almost even more challenging. For sure. I think. For sure. So, yes, there's that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think also sort of going back to the spirituality, I think one of the sort of ways that I see it is. Sort of spirituality is kind of the opposite of narcissism for me, you know. So, narcissism, where it's just the whole world is about you, whereas you kind of break down that's what some people could sort of say the ego, but you, you're breaking down that just me um, to kind of, you know, be able to be more empathetic with others. And suddenly that circle is just widening and widening and widening till it gets to the point where it's just the whole universe is in this connection with you and yourself, your sense of I.
1: I'm I'm one of my favourite Catholic saints is Saint Francis of Assisi and he had the the prayer he wrote which you know if people haven't read it look it up and read it is the most spiritual religious mindful everything prayer you can imagine but I think the, the crucial bit for me in that prayer is when he talks about it's in giving that you receive and I think Too many people are so concerned. I'm gonna go back to my my little buckbear of of sort of if I have this, I'll feel better.
0: Yeah.
1: And again, I, I use I have fun with this exercise with people, with this exercise with students at school. I ask them, How do you feel? How do you feel about when you receive a present? And then also I tell them, and when you give a present to someone and they really like it. And you can tell they're happier giving a present and seeing the face of the person receive it saying, you know, and where there's thought put into yeah. it, I'm not talking about a voucher yeah, yeah, yeah. down the road. Okay? <laughs> yeah. um, unless it's from Sonia. Unless it's from Sanya. that doesn't count. Obviously, that's that's the obvious exception. Um, is, is is is? You can see that yeah. they can say no. The the, the, the good feeling you have yeah. when you've done something, yeah, um, is, is irreplaceable. It's a sort of, you know, you can, you can get lost in the philosophical philosophical yes. argument, so then it's not really generous if you're feeling good yourself. But then It's irrelevant, you, that, really. That's yeah. by the by. But the point is, that sense of, if I do something and maybe I give it away... Mm-hmm. You know, you you do yeah. receive more. I mean, same. He must have been an amazing psychologist apart yeah. from everything else, because yeah. to understand that concept.
0: Well, if you're, you know, reflecting deeply on life, you know, it's it's all sort of in the same path of what you're really thinking Absolutely. about. And, and in a sense, you could say, the sort of, psychology is, you know, you need those first steps of, of therapy to get you out of that very strong narcissism, but. At the end of the road is kind of this natural spirituality that kind of is the, the fruit of your therapeutic practice in a sense.
1: Yes, and I mean, it's, it's there are, you know, there are some clients, tragically, who find it very hard to come to therapy or will not come to therapy because um, if the narcissism sticking with this that you've raised is, is really there as a personality trait, very strong it's very hard for them to shift mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's impossible mm-hmm. but you'll usually find that over there it's it's a tougher time and it's long 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 term work yeah. over there so I'm not saying everyone I think can go and I won't say should go it would be nice if everyone went to therapy <laughs> yeah. because I think it's healthy
0: I definitely say should
1: <laughs> we say all
0: should. need to go to therapy
1: <laughs> um, but um, for some people it will be harder than for others yeah. some will be more receptive and open to it yeah. And for others, as I said, it's, it's it can be major changes, and yeah. I, I'm convinced that some people avoid going to therapy because they have because to they already have the insight yes. and know that if I get someone confirming my insight, then I I can't escape I'm gonna the reality to of my life, this
0: you know? job or this relationship Absolutely. or change. Yeah,
1: you know, and I think one of the things I always I often use with with clients is when they say, "No, you know, I thought about it, and then on balance, I've decided I'm going to stay here and everything." And I say, okay, so what if I tell you you've got six months to live? What will you do now? And then again you get this, I'm not saying each time, Mm -hmm. but you get a bit of a mm, (laughs) moment. Because, you know, we're not here forever in this life anyway, in life form, whatever we believe. And um, you don't want to be on your deathbed with the regret of, you know what, I had the chance to do this and I didn't. Or I could have done this and I didn't. You know, and it's it's interesting how... um, if you look at any of these Facebook things that turn up, which saying you know, the 20 regrets that people have before they yeah. die and the 10 yeah. regrets, there never is one which says, I regret not having bought my brand new spanking car yeah. or having regretted, you know, I regret uh, having taken a holiday. They regret yeah. spending too much time at work. I regret yeah. not spending enough time with my family, a yeah. lot of time with my kids, doing the sports and games I wanted to do, yeah. spending time with the people I love. Yeah. It's always about that. Yeah it's never about the haves and the have-nots. I know it's my big, big thing, you know. I'm not some of the anti-capitalist sort of statement because I think, you know, we need to be in half-possession. It's not about whether you have them or not, but the relationship that you do have with them. um, And the uses you put them to, I think. Yes, and, and, you know, I think if we look at life, I mean, the Dalai Lama had, I think think it's his quote where he said, um, Western world spends the first half of their life accumulating wealth, the detriment of their health yeah and then in the second part of their life they're using that money to get their health back it's tragic it's it's farcical if it wasn't so tragic you know and and i think there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of truth in that yeah that everyone's saying no no now when i'm 40 no no now when i'm 50 now when i'm retired and yeah you know and yeah it's gone yeah and i think the balance if we can find this balance of of our physical needs, our career needs, our family needs, our emotional needs, then I think everything will be much more the way it should be yeah. in the sense of a much healthier, fruitful, yeah. balanced life. But, yeah. you know, you just find people just needing to, you know, I, I worked at 11 every day and I think, yeah. well, you're not going to get any congratulations yeah. from me yeah. for doing that. I yeah. think it's it's a bit worrying. But again,
0: you know, society has is kind of, you know... Ah, and that's why you need to be pretty strong-willed. And uh, and you have to
1: be strong-willed, and you have to get away from this feeling of what does the world think of me? Yeah. But I think if you wake up and realise that the world doesn't really think about us as much as we (laughs) think they do, and get away from that narcissistic thought, it frees you a bit as well, you know, because um, the world is still lost in it. Everyone else is still lost in their own individual world, so...
0: I think, luckily, sort of one of the the positive things about, you know, the, the... sort of bad aspects of society is that it's become so intense that now there are sort of people kind of breaking away quite publicly and you get celebrities who are kind of saying listen, you know, this is not the route to happiness I'm going to go and, you know, do meditation or, or learn, have different experiences and I think at least, you know, we're it's Gotten so bad, <laughs> yes. That there's the actually pendulum almost, is starting uh, to swing the other yeah, way now, in I a think way. So.
1: Yes, I, I would think there is that, and as I said, practically as we started out, you know, the fact that so many people are seeking therapy are mm. you know, and, and really across the board, you know, I, I see people from all walks of life, um, all age groups, and in a way, all trying to understand themselves, mm-hmm. understand what they want, what is it that's going to make me happy is the main question obviously you know how can i resolve this so that life will be better
0: yeah
1: which are you know perfect questions yeah um but it requires work and and my unfortunate statement to everyone in my room is um we spend an hour in here but the work is going to happen outside yeah you know and there's no
0: hack because now it's all like hack your hack your this hack your that (laughs) You now no, you've got to come in and do the work, basically.
1: You but uh, it's rewarding. There are rewarding no, and there are no shortcuts, you know. Um, right. my, 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 uh, my, my GP often tells me, he said, we get people coming over. And I say, listen, you know, he tells them, you know, you need, you need therapy. And he said, well, you can't just give me a pill and sort this out. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-medical in any way. And, and I think in some cases, medicine is absolutely essential for some certain conditions where you mm-hmm. cannot function. But they don't want to actually, many people just don't want to actually really deal with the life situation. Yeah. They just want to like, continue with this lifestyle with a pill yeah. on the side and just against going. Again,
0: going back to what we mentioned in the beginning, you know, a pill you can control. Yeah. Whereas a human, there's no control. You've got to be in the arena with them and there's For sure. no formula book like A plus B equals C. So again, like as a therapist, you have had to done quite a bit of work on yourself and be comfortable sure. enough and... Obviously, not all doctors are willing to do that, no, so it's much no. easier to just say, like, here yeah, you go, have that pill. For sure, yeah. for sure. No. not saying that, you know, not trying to say no, that that's with bad or, or whatever. It's totally absolutely. needed. But there are some cases where, you know, the psychological and the emotional is really not getting the attention that it deserves, definitely. No,
1: I, I'm, I'm pleased, though, with the, when I look at um, current practices in Malta, the, the, the psychotherapeutic and psychological profession, mm-hmm. psychology profession, um are now given are being given the the importance i think they should have i'm, yeah. I'm not involved in the in the politics of all yeah. this i'm sure there's someone yeah. who might say well not yeah. enough and probably yeah. it's not enough um but i mean if i you know just keep comparing in five year yeah. brackets in the last yeah. 20 years there's, there's a massive leap forward yeah. in awareness and people yeah. seeking psychotherapeutic yeah. help and so forth yeah. so I, I think the future is looking positive in yeah. that way you know
0: and also sort of the kind of um the booming of the yoga and meditation community is also helping I think the psychotherapeutic yes. as well because obviously there's some overlap there it's as well. it's, it's
1: amazing I, I I never sort of walked into it in, with, with this in mind but it's very often I'll have a client and at some point I look at them I think meditation would really work for this client <laughs> yeah. or some sort of mindfulness you know work and because they just can't stay with the present you know and I, I use the example. again, food is very much an analogy we use yeah. in, in in therapy. You know, you'd see them eating and well, I don't see my clients eating, <laughs> but um, I'd see people eating. Yeah. you can see they're just filling their yeah. mouth with food. They're not really tasting anything, yeah. you know. And um, so there is this sense yeah. of, of I feel the, the 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 link between, as I said, mindfulness. Yeah. and meditation and then on the other side, yeah. the other side and, and yeah. therapy yeah. are really really yeah. coming together and yeah. i think it's, it's it's somehow everything seems yeah. to be merging into this sort of sense of let's just get into the present moment yeah. because it's all we have and then tomorrow we'll take care of yeah. itself if the present is okay yeah you know i
0: mean meditation is, is that you know it's just concentrating and disciplining the mind to actually stay put you know we're we're such in this age of distraction Short attention spans, you know, the mobile ding ding ding. And I mean, I I go to Bali regularly and I, I do sort of a week or two every time I go of meditating for five hours a day. And in the beginning, it's really difficult because your mind is just used to concentrating for just a few seconds at a time. And by the time you've come out of, for example, two weeks of doing something like this, your brain is just different. And you, you, you can tell in a very tangible way. And I always kind of come back to more knowing that I'm going to lose some of that mm, concentration yes. power. Because I don't meditate here time as time. I do there, you know. Of course. Um, but it, it really kind of made me understand just how much our brain is impacted. And this is why, you know, at Sanya we have quite a lot of yoga and meditation. Because it's, it it's almost the antidote to that. It's, qu- it's quite a building block, again, for kind of staying for with sure. emotion and doing all these things that in therapy you're going to need to go with.
1: And, and especially, you know, when I think of various therapies, but probably Gestalt, one of the more therapies, because of the fact that we, 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 you know, we make use of the body in the sense of, you know, if a hand is clenched, we'll ask the client to clench it even more. What's happening now? Yeah. make it tighter. And then yeah. you say, okay, can you give that a voice to that clenched yes. fist? and it's amazing what can emerge from that yeah. and then you know you'd say okay now what happens if you open it so the use of the body and then yeah. then I'm seeing the parallel yeah. in your yeah, line yeah. of work is, yeah. is 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 quite it's quite amazing actually yeah. and um you you know you can see some really um incredible changes in people who yeah. are willing or ready to go out there yeah and most you know, I think therapy is, a, is, a, is an enriching experience, yeah. And it might reach a stage where I think they can get from A to X, but they don't get to X, they get to letter P. But that, that you know, that yeah. okay, that's as far as they could get now, yeah. and maybe one day they'll come back or in their own life get yeah. to letter X. And sometimes, you don't sometimes, there is the you know, maybe the, the, the pain of the therapist is yeah. that you might we might not see the change mm-hmm. ourselves. And then the change will happen later on, but we're not witnessing yeah. that change. Yeah. But we have to sort of believe in that yeah. change yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it will happen definitely. when the time is right.
0: Yeah, definitely. So that will work. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up. We've actually been talking for an hour and fifty minutes. Okay. <laughs> nice. Time for <flies. laughs> Um I usually and Well, first of all, thank you so much for, for taking the time to discuss such a relevant topic to our lives. Um, we usually close a podcast by just asking. You know, a question that we've touched upon throughout the whole podcast, which is just, you know, what does it mean to live a good life? Or do you have any thoughts to, to add to the, the conversation we just had?
1: I think, I think I would repeat something I said earlier on, which is um, fill your life with good experiences, with, with people you can grow with, but also take the time to see what you really want on your own you know, I'll use that, I'll use, you know, the experiment everyone can do alone is, if I lived abroad and no one knew me, what would I do different to what I'm doing today? Because that will be then the more accurate sense of what you want to do, who I want to be, Yeah. you know, and then once you do that, then the rest flows naturally, you know, once you have that clarity. And, you know, don't you'll you, you get the answer and you'll know you know that our bodies are brilliant at knowing this is the right thing to do when yeah. I and I'll start with where I or finish with where I started when I quit work at the age of 25 into a bit of an unknown quantity thinking okay but what am I going to do with this psychology and whatnot? I just knew it is what I wanted to do the risk was there the, the uncertainty was there this was a time when unemployment was really high the course was new everything was really very very fairy but knowing that you're doing what you should be doing, as in should, as in Want. relevant yeah. to oneself, yeah. the rest takes care of itself, yeah. you know, and then you will have the healthy, happy life
0: beautiful
1: <laughs> pleasure lovely to be
0: here again thank you so much I really really enjoyed the conversation I'm going to be thinking about those five <laughs> ways that resist because it, it's lovely to have a framework to kind of crystallize yes, you know yes. um, and, and look at your own life as well so again thank you thank you so much and thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast sure. if they have any questions I'll I'll post them on to you and again um, if you feel this episode touched you in any way we'd really appreciate you liking commenting sharing and passing on to anyone you feel might benefit from these words. Thank you so much.